Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the Board Game Workshop design contest, past and future. We just finished up last year's, or this year's rather, and the winner ended up being Curators, which was a very interesting game about building a museum and trying to get the right uh, exhibits on display. You get points for a variety of things. There's some interesting building in it and a unique action system where you have five tokens and each token is double-sided with a different action on the front and back and whenever you use an action you'll flip over the token which then means a different action will be available next turn so you start with one of each of the five actions available but as you flip them you'll have some actions you'll have two options for and others you won't have any at all so if you have two matching icons on your tokens you can take a double action and flip them both uh, so you're building more efficiently but as you do certain actions you will lose access to actions that you might need so you really have to plan ahead and it had a really nice tension and turns went very quickly with this action system because you're only really doing one thing on a turn it never had a lot of analysis that was dragging people down and you could you're all working on your own museum so you can really plan ahead and there's not very much interrupting of other people uh, taking certain things from the market or various markets that other people want might mess them up a bit but it's there's no direct um, messing with any of your opponent's stuff so it doesn't change the layout too much between turns so your plans can pretty much go forward uh, it played very smoothly everyone who played it really enjoyed it and it it ended up getting first place the other four games are also very interesting and we got a lot of plays in with all of them we ended up with 15 judges in round three, which was triple what we had last year. And we had three different days of judging, so we got a lot of different input on that. And we got a lot of feedback for them. So that was the end of the 2019 contest. So I was just looking back at the some of the stats for this contest and the first contest back in 2018. So the first year in 2018, we got 87 submissions which at the time surprised me greatly because it was the first time I was hosting a contest and it was kind of spur of the moment, so getting that many people to submit was great. Uh, we ended up having about 71 judges, although that number is probably not super accurate because some, uh, some judges are working together in a team, so they only use one email address, so it counts as one judge even if it's multiple people working together. Uh, we ended up having 1,435 feedback forms between the three rounds. And that was a total of 127,121 words of feedback. So that that was a pretty good year. I was very happy with how everything went, although there was a lot of things that we could improve. Like um, we simplified the judging because the judging scales for that year, uh, each different category of judging was weighted differently. So... There was a lot of math involved in calculating the final scores. So for this year, it simplifies things. So instead, um, last year, round one, round two, and round three all had different criteria for the judging. Just trying to focus on different aspects in each thing and see how how things change because different different rounds had different submission requirements. So it was easier to judge different things. So for this year, I streamlined that, and each round had the same 
criteria for judging, and there was no weighting to the different categories. So each of the five categories were in every round, which made things simpler in some ways because it was just the same form for the judges each round. But the issue that we ran into is uh, some of the rounds, you can't really judge certain things. Like one of the one of the things they judged was elegance, and it was difficult for people to judge elegance in round one off of a two-minute pitch video. So that didn't work out perfectly, but it, uh, it got through. So for the 2019 contest, we ended up with 108 submissions, so we bumped it up 21, which was a, a good bump. And then we had 175 judges, so over 100 new judges came in. And again, that number is not super accurate because a lot of judges were doubled up on the same email, so probably slightly more than that 175. We really got, this year, I really pushed to get a lot more judges. Um, in the first year, judges were asked by me specifically to judge, so I reached out to a lot of people and saw who was willing to judge and put them on a list. This year, I opened up at least applying to be a judge to anyone, um, and anyone who applied got to be a judge. There's really no criteria for being a judge unless you want to judge. The only rule was that you couldn't judge if you were submitting a game to the contest. So really did push to get a lot more judges. Um, one of the things I believe is all feedback is helpful, so getting more judges is more feedback, and this contest has always been about the feedback. So for this year, we ended up with 1,788 feedback forms. So we bumped that up over 350 more from the previous year. And what really impressed me was the word count for feedback because it's nearly impossible to track the quality of the feedback by any metric. But I'm, from what I hear from the, the designers, they are very happy with the feedback and they find it useful. So I think generally it has been useful feedback for everyone but I can't count how much feedback. And so this year we had 236,389 words of feedback, which is kind of ridiculous. It almost doubled from the previous year. So we had a lot of judges writing very long feedback. The only thing I require for feedback uh, in round one, actually even in round three, it's only a couple, couple sentences at minimum. And some judges only give a couple sentences, which is still appreciated. But many people just were writing several paragraphs of really in-depth feedback at every round, even off just the pitch video. People are giving a lot of great feedback on what they think of the, the ideas, the mechanics that they can see, where they would like to see the game. Um, sometimes just ideas of where to look for inspiration, other games that do similar things, or certain changes to make. So it's all great feedback from what I've seen. And it's, I really appreciate all the judges pitching in and putting in a lot of time. We had a couple judges that judged all the games in round one and round two. Uh, that takes a massive amount of time. I don't have nearly enough time to do that much judging. So it's greatly appreciated, all of the judges that donate their time and effort to helping give feedback for this contest. So now, let's talk about the future. So the 2020 Design Contest. I've just been setting up the schedule for it so all of these dates could change but I think they're pretty close to accurate might have to shift forwards or backwards depending on if anything gets held up um, one of the issues we had last year was so in the first year it was a very rushed contest the initial submissions were in September and the final winners were in December which 
for three rounds with time to design and submit things in between. That's that was a very tight schedule. Uh, so this year I extended it maybe too much and ended up taking quite a while. So we had about two months of judging for round one because I thought there's a lot of submissions. We'll give it a lot of time. But what ended up happening was there was a burst of judging in the first week and then it dropped off significantly and there was continuous judging going on for the two months but it was just a couple of day and even a lot of skipped days and then at the very end when the judging deadline was approaching then that got another burst of judging so there's this very big lull in the middle and a lot of the feedback from designers was it was just too long between submitting their game and getting any feedback so definitely going to shorten that for this year um, another thing, and this was more of a problem in the first year, was the judging overlapped with Essen and possibly PAX Unplugged. I'm not sure. Uh, but it overlapped with Essen, and it was also uh, quicker judging that year. So that made it hard for a lot of judges to get any time to judge round two. So that became a bit of a problem. So I'm trying to be more aware of conventions, although... Now there are at least minor conventions almost every weekend in the United States and more internationally. So it's impossible to avoid all of the conventions, but definitely trying to work around the major ones. So for the 2020 contest, the initial round one submissions will be due Friday, June 5th. And then pretty much all of June will be judging for round one. July 6th will be the round one results. Then we'll have four weeks uh, the uh, four weeks of judging and coaching, which coaching was another thing I added this year, and it was it was thrown in last minute. I had had the idea earlier, but it was hard to get everything together, so I wasn't sure if it was going to happen or not. We ended up getting it together in time, and the coaching went over really well. All the feedback I got from the coaches and the designers was that it was very helpful. Um, the way we had coaching work is we would pair one of the judges up with the designers of each game that made it into round two, and they would make plans for basically two hour-ish long meetings, um, either online through text chat or voice or video chat, however they wanted to set it up. I didn't put any real restrictions on that. It was only that you should have two meetings or the equivalent if you just wanted to do it by email and not have any real-time discussions. So whatever worked for everyone because they're dealing with a lot of different schedules and time zones. So I didn't want to put too many restrictions on anything, but... I believe all but one of the games took the coaching and everyone said it was great, uh, partially from great design advice and partially just from making connections with other designers and people in the industry, which is really one of the things I want for this contest is to help build community and get more people meeting more people. So that's been working out very well. So we'll have four weeks of coaching in design and this will actually overlap with Gen Con. So um, Gen Con will be the one week before the end of the coaching and designing. So if it works out for people and the coaches and judges are going to Gen Con, it would be a chance for them to actually meet up in person the week before everything's due. So that could possibly work out to everyone's benefit if things work. Um, also, I didn't want to make anything due during the weekend of Gen Con because that's a very busy time for a lot of people. So round two submissions will be due August 7th. And we'll be cutting to the top 20 for round two, just like we did this year. That seemed like a good number. 
any we had 30 in the first year and it was just it was too many games for everyone to go through and it was kind of it's kind of rushed so i think 20 is a good number and then august 24th will be the results for round two so we have three weeks of judging that's a little faster but there's only 20 games so we should be able to move through it pretty quickly and then after those are announced will be about five weeks of design before the round three games are have to be postmarked. Round three will be physical copies. So round three submissions and all be the top five will have to be postmarked by September 25th. And they'll have about five weeks of judging, which will be will include the board game workshop design day in October, which plan on having another one of those. Actually plan on having one in April and October if everything works out. So stay tuned for dates on those. But so the, the finals judging will include the design day, so we'll have all the games there, and hopefully that will bring contest judges to the design day and keep them around for judging or playtesting other people's designs and also bring in a lot of playtesters that can also be judges. And then if all goes well according to the schedule, November 2nd, the winner will be announced. So all in all, it'll be about five months from beginning to end, so... A bit quicker than this year, but more time than the first year, which was definitely too rushed. So now on to what is staying the same and what is changing for next year. So the general structure is going to stay the same. So round one will be a two-minute video. Round two will be a 15-minute how-to-play video and the full rules. And round three will be a physical prototype that's fully playable. What's changing? And a lot of this is based on feedback from the judges and the entrants over the past year or two. I always send out some surveys after the contest to get feedback on how it went for everyone and try to improve it for next year. And first year was definitely a learning year. Second year, tried some new things. And now for the third year, we're trying to streamline things to make it easier on everyone, really. Um, Less work for me is always nice because all of the management of this is done by me. So the help from the judges is wonderful, but I got a, got a lot of spreadsheets to go through once they submit all their forms. So the more organized it is for me, the better. Um, so the main change is we're changing how the judging works. So each round has got to be more focused. Like I said, this year we had um, each round judges rated it every game on five categories so innovation elegance excitement presentation and overall and like I said my goal was to make each round similar so it worked well the problem being that it's hard to judge certain things off of a two-minute pitch video and the other thing is people weren't quite sure how to judge presentation when they weren't supposed to be judging the quality of the video how do you really judge presentation so now each round is going to be much more focused and only judge a single category. So round one, which will be the two-minute pitch video, is just going to judge innovation. And all the judging for this, it used to be on a five-point scale, now it's going to be on an 11-point scale, just to give more nuance to each game so we don't end up with too many ties. So round one will just be on innovation. This should help one of the major concerns, which was people didn't know what to put in their two-minute video. It's a very tight time constraint. I want to keep it a very tight time constraint for a couple of reasons. One, it makes it easier on the judges so they can go through a lot of videos and give feedback to everyone. The other thing is a two-minute 
restriction really forces people to talk about the important part of their game and not leave any uninteresting spaces. So it makes you really dig down to the core of what your game is about, which is really what we care about. So round one will just be judging innovation. So now designers will have much more focused idea of what they should be talking about in their video. So you definitely want to talk about the innovation and get that across as best you can so that you can be judged on your innovation. Round two uh, will be similar. It's only going to judge it on one thing, but this time it's on presentation. So round two is going to be the 15 minute how to play video and the rules. So it will very much be on are your rules written clearly? Are they laid out well? Are you getting the information across? Is your how to play video explain how to play? The one downside is we have the time limit on the how to play video, which 15 minutes seems to be all right. We instituted that the this year and it was based on the length of the video submitted in the first year and most of them were 15 minutes or less. There are only a couple that went over that. Um, but it's just because with such a tight time to judge, if people are submitting a lot of 30 or 45 minute videos, it can really drag things down and we won't get nearly as much feedback to everyone. So, And because of that, it's not required that the how to play video is the complete rules, but it should definitely be enough information to get you started playing and understand how a turn works and the goal of the game and everything. So it should definitely give the judges a lot more information to go off of than the round one two-minute pitch video. And then round three will be judged on elegance. Um, this really is something that you can only judge when you play it in person to see how the entire game fits together, how it flows. Because something that looks like it plays well in a how-to-play video or has well-written rules can suddenly fall apart when you actually get it to the table, which any designer knows as soon as you actually test that game, you notice all sorts of problems that you never thought could come up. So round three will be on elegance. Also, another thing people requested was they want a better understanding of what they should put in their videos. In the first two years, I intentionally left the requirements very open. My hope was to not prevent anyone from entering. So even if you just wanted to talk about your game idea and just your face on the camera or just have some still pictures and talking about it, you'd still be able to enter. The issue is as much as that did happen and people got to submit their games even if they weren't fully made, those games never did very well. They got a lot of feedback that was the judges saying, I want to see what happens on a turn, I want to see more. So next year, the requirements for each video will be more structured. Um, I have specific things that should be included so that each video will know what they're trying to do and hopefully give designers better guidelines on that. So on the, the other side, the judging side, so like I said, the judging in the first year was judges I reached out to and got them on a list ahead of time and then added a few judges as we went, but it was mainly getting judges at the beginning. And then this year, this year I opened judging up to the public, but you still have to sign up to be a judge, submit your name and email and a picture so I could put it on the website. I was still reaching out to judges and having them tell people and spreading the word. It was, you could apply publicly on the website so there's no requirement to get on the list. But I noticed that I would get many judges that said they were interested in judging, but then they would never get around to filling out the form for whatever reason. So they wouldn't end up on the judging list and they wouldn't become a judge. Um, 
And also, managing the judge list was a lot of work for me. I had streamlined most of the judging process with Google Sheets and some other software, so I can get all of the feedback sorted and sent back out to designers in a couple of hours if everything is working well. But actually keeping the list of judges up to date was a lot of work, and a lot of work with, I don't think, much return. So one of the nice things about getting the judges ahead of time is having, having the judge page is possibly a draw to designers when they see the people that may be looking at their game. It's a draw for people because one of the main things they want, they want feedback and they want to get their game in front of the judges. So if the judges are publishers or bigger name designers, that does draw people in. Um, the 2020 contest won't have that because maintaining that list of judges was a pain, but also ran into the issue. Well, I said we had 175 judges. I had, at one point, over 200 judges on the list. So that's a good chunk of judges that ended up not judging. And the problem is they sign up to judge and then either they don't have time to do it or they forget or something comes up and they change their mind. But the issue is I don't know that they're not going to be a judge until much later. Because even if they don't judge anything in round one, they can still judge stuff in round two or round three. So it's really hard to keep the list of judges accurate. And since the list of judges isn't accurate and... It's a lot of work to maintain. It just makes more sense to me to cut out the having judges signed up ahead of time. So for 2020, one of the big changes is even if you submit a game, you can still be a judge in the contest. Um, there is no prize in the contest. The only prize is more feedback if you move on to a next round. So I'm not worried about any issues with judges causing problems if they also have a game in. You won't be allowed to judge your own game Although, even if you did, it's only going to be a minor swing because getting enough judges really dilutes the power of any single judge. Having the entrance also be able to be judges if we keep similar numbers to this past year should give us about 100 more judges if everyone who submits becomes a judge. This also means that judging will be open, so instead of having a list of judges that then have access to the judging materials, the submissions will be public on the website so anyone will be able to look at the list of games watch their pitch video or read their rules and how to play a video if it's round two and then we'll be able to submit a judge form there will be no signing up to be a judge just submitting the form makes you a judge i will still keep the judge list but i'm gonna have it be more self-serve so any judge who wants to be on the list can fill out their information and it won't be a requirement that you put yourself on the list, but if you want to be listed and have any of your contact info there, that will still be a thing, but it won't be a requirement. So if you want to remain completely anonymous, uh, when you fill out a judge form, you don't have to fill out your name. You can stay anonymous, so you don't have to even be listed as a judge in the contest, and you can still give feedback to people if you want to help out. So yeah, judging will be open to the public, which uh, there is a concern about having any people come in and be judges that are giving less than ideal feedback. Um, that was partially a concern with this past year since I did let pretty much anyone sign up to be a judge and it wasn't just people I knew, but it went very well and even people I don't know are wonderful judges and gave a lot of great feedback. So I'm feeling pretty confident in letting this be open. 
and I don't think the podcast or the contest has a big enough reach that it would draw in any people not part of the community and the board game design community is generally a very nice place so hopefully this all goes well um i will be checking feedback on the back end and obviously if anyone sees anything that is a problem they can contact me and i will deal with it but for the most part i'm trying to keep it very open uh, the other thing this does is last year and the first year a lot of the entrants also wanted to see other entrance games uh it's it really is a bigger community than just just the event um, a lot of the judges and designers want to talk to each other that was one of the things from the first year they the contestants or the designers wanted to be able to interact with the judges more so i've since started a discord channel for the contest so that's actually gotten a good amount of activity during the contest although it drops off when the contest is over um, so that'll still be a thing this year, so people can join the Discord. But also, one of the things was they wanted to see other designers' games. And some people posted their videos in the Discord, but some just weren't part of the Discord. So this will make the default be that the videos and rules are shared, which will be more promotion for every game in there, so it'll help boost those games, hopefully, and more people can see them, and hopefully those people will be willing to spend the five minutes to fill out a feedback form and become a judge. Just like the previous years, it really only does take a couple minutes to judge a game, especially in round one, or only in round one. Round two does take more time. Because um, you're only watching a two-minute video, reading a short description, and then writing a sentence or two of feedback. You can always write more, and a lot of people do. Like I said, we had a ridiculous amount of feedback. But it's only takes about five minutes to judge a game and everyone who has been a judge has told me that it was a very easy process and they enjoyed it or at least most people who were judges so if you feel like judging it's very helpful to the designers but yeah so the judging will be open the games will be listed publicly so anyone can just come along watch something click on the judge form and fill it out in a couple minutes so my hope is that we get even more judges and more feedback this year because that process will be even easier and it'll be less management for me having to update the judge list and remove judges that ended up not judging so now if you judge then you can be on the judge list and you're already a judge nothing changes that so once you fill out a single form you're a judge and the last thing that's going to change is i'm going to raise the price to seven dollars an entry uh, partly because the contest is pretty much the main fundraiser for the podcast so while the money does cover costs of the contest, like buying food for the judges in round three, it also supports the podcast itself, which hosting costs money, the web hosting for the website for the podcast, other services I use to deliver the feedback and stuff. So I'm going to raise that price a little bit. You'll still get one free entry if you're a Patreon supporter. And if the entry price is in any way a barrier for you to enter you can email me and let me know your situation and i will happily waive the price for anyone who requires it um also last year opened up submissions to everyone uh, i was 18 plus the first year but since there's no prize anymore i'm not worried about submissions from kids so that will be a thing again this year and last year i offered free submissions to any designs by kids 
So if there are any schools involved that have game design classes or game design clubs and want free submissions for their whole class, just let me know. I think we had seven submissions this year that were had kids as the only designers or as part of the design team. So I'd really like to bring that number up and get more kids involved in this because I think game design is a great thing for kids to start learning. So that pretty much covers the changes I have planned for next year. I will get all this written up hopefully soon and pushed on the website. I will open submissions for round one as soon as I have everything ready. So submissions for round one will probably be open several months before they're due, which if the past couple of years are any indicator, most of the submissions will come in in the last couple days, so the earlier I open them doesn't really matter. But like I said, any of this could possibly change as things get uh, more worked out, but this is the, the general outline I'm going by and the changes I plan on making. And this year ran very well, so I don't want to change too much, just trimming things down a little and making things more focused and trying to answer some of the questions people had. So now let's go on to some questions that people submitted online about the past and future contests and get some information. So Shanice asked, what's my most unexpected challenge? So for this year, getting a place to actually have round three judging was a problem. So the first year I had it at my friend's game store. Uh, we only had one day of judging and we had five judges. So, again, the first year was it was a rushed experience. So that round three judging was actually on December 29th so that we could get the results out by the end of the year. But um, some people couldn't make it. It's December is not a great time for scheduling anything in New England. So we only had five judges, and we ended up putting in a 10-hour day and getting at least two plays of every game. So it worked out, but it was, it was very rushed. Um, I had planned on doing a similar thing this year, and I had also planned on taking the finalists to Metatopia to get um, a lot more designers to play them and judge them. The way things worked out, the Storm of Friend Zone closed down, and I didn't end up making it to Metatopia. So that shifted my plans a lot, and I then had to find places for the judging to happen. And that was a very tough thing to do, because... There are not a lot of free open spaces that are available on weekends. But we ended up getting getting three places. Uh, we did it at uh, Haverhill Community Media. One of the judges worked there, so we were able to use their space on a Sunday. And that was the biggest judging event. We had ten judges there, and we went for a couple hours, and that was the biggest chunk of judging. And then had two other days at Battlegrounds in Norton and Battlegrounds in Abington. They were nice enough to let us use some space. We got, those are smaller events, had four judges at each, but we'd get more plays in of each game. So that's so how we ended up having 15 judges and I think about 41 feedback forms. So it's very different though, because the first year, all five judges played all five games and we got 25 feedback forms. This year we had 15 judges, but no judge played all five games and no game was played by all 15 judges. So everything was much more of a spread. We also had uh, very different player counts this year. We had a two-player only game and a game that went up to ten players, so it's very, very different. So Jeremy asks, are there any common threads in feedback provided to the designers? Um, so I don't read all of the feedback because 
I said, it's thousands of feedback forms, although I do skim over a lot of it. And one of the things I noticed, especially in round one, was judges asking to see what happens on a turn. Um, and that's why I'm going to have more structure for what should be in the round one video, especially. And one of the things will be what happens on a turn, because that was almost universally asked for. But that's a... The general piece of feedback is the judges want to see more. Um, so in the videos, you have you have the power to show people things while you're telling it to them. Um, depending on your editing abilities, it can be easier. But even if you just do a single shot with your camera while talking over it, as long as you plan ahead, you can get a lot of information in if you're showing and telling at the same time. Um, and that was generally a piece of feedback across the board is the judges wanted more information, they wanted to see more, they wanted to know more, which is hard in a two-minute video, but more is always better for this. So that was definitely one thing. I'd say that's the, the biggest thing that was universal to a lot of the feedback. Although another thing I noticed is there's a lot of positive reinforcement, um, which is one thing I really like about this contest and the judges in it are all wonderful. I I asked them to be critical but kind, and they definitely do that. They point out a lot of issues they have, things they think could be improved, but they also point out things they enjoy, and I just see a lot of the feedback, even if they are very critical of the game and they think it has problems, they'll point those out, but they'll also give a lot of positive reinforcement um, so the designers can see what they did enjoy or what they liked about it. So that's always really nice to see. and. That again seems to be pretty much across the board is people getting some sort of positive reinforcement even if their game has a lot of flaws. So Eric asks if I'm considering uh, category winners in addition to the overall winner like uh, best card game or best social game and if I'm interested in restricting entries to any type of game. Like I said, I'm definitely not going to restrict the entries. Um, I know a lot of contests they'll have much more restrictive entry requirements. Um, I started this one being a very open contest based on Cardboard Edison's and Board Game Design Lab's contest where you can enter pretty much any any board game and I want to keep it that way. Although we do get a very big spread of types of games. So we have abstract games, we have social deduction games, we have family games, we have kid games, we have deep strategy games, we have long games, we have short games. Um, so there's a very big spread, and it's sometimes difficult to judge these against each other if you're judging on certain aspects, um, like a game you like. Maybe you like longer games more than shorter games, so you're going to uh, give longer games a better rating. So the, the two ways I combat that from happening, hopefully at least, uh, one is that the judges get to see the entire list of games, um, and they'll see the short description and the name. So there's a bit of self-selection over what they're going to judge. And I tell the judges to judge the games they're interested in. Although near the end of judging, if there are any games that are short on feedback, we try to focus on those to at least get a minimum feedback count for everyone. But initially, judges focus on the games they're interested in. So they're always going to at least hope that the game they're judging is good and go in giving or go in with that positive idea that it's something they they're interested in hearing more about 
the other way to combat this is the things they're judged on, especially restricting it down to the single category, is very specific but very universal across games. So in round one, it'll be innovation. And it doesn't matter if your game is a short game, a long game, a family game, or a strategy game. You can you can compare them on innovation. So is, is it new? Is it something that changes the way games are played? And I think that works across any type. So the other part of his question, having category winners, I had thought about this for last year and actually made a list in the category your game is in as part of the submission, in case I did plan on doing it. My plan was to have um, the best in each category move on to round two, and then fill out the rest of the 20 games with just the top overall. Uh, the plan being that that would help round two be a little more diverse as far as types of games go. The problem that I ran into, and part of the reason why I ended up not doing it, is on the submission, asking people to fill out what their game was, um, a lot of games checked off almost every box. So it's hard to really determine what categories to cut down to, because there is such a, such a large number of categories that games can be in. Uh, you can separate by genre, you can separate by mechanisms, you can separate by player count, by game weight. So there's lots of different ways to slice it, and slicing it in only one seems strange. Um, and slicing it in too many gets very convoluted, and a lot of games are in multiple categories. So uh, it's not an idea I am against, but it's definitely something I haven't figured out how to do well yet. So that might be something we do in the future, but I don't think I'm going to do it for the 2020 contest unless uh, something changes. And last question from Scout. Are there ways you're working towards increasing the levels of participation by designers who are women, LGBTQ, or people of color? This is something I have tried to work on, but it is not an easy thing to solve, especially just from this contest. I think a lot of the issues surrounding this are bigger issues than just game design and bigger issues than just the game industry. They are a lot of social issues, which have been discussed various places online, so I won't go too deep here, but you can definitely look it up. But there are a lot of social and economic issues that keep certain people out of the hobby of gaming in general. It is definitely a hobby of privilege for the most part. You need expendable money and expendable time, but I do want to help increase participation of anyone who wants to join the contest as much as I possibly can. So I am, like I said before, definitely willing to waive the entry fee. Um, I hope that the submission requirements are minimal enough that most people can submit. If there are any other ways that I can help get someone to enter this contest, I am more than happy to do it. Um, one thing I am trying to do to increase people that would feel comfortable submitting to the contest is to increase the diversity in the judges. This is also tied to the same issues of a lot of people in marginalized groups do not have the opportunity to be part of the community, although that is definitely getting better over time. So uh, through past judges who know a lot more about this stuff than I do, I'm hoping to reach out and get a lot 
more diversity in the judging pool and hopefully that will bring new communities into the contest and we will get a much more diverse group of submissions because I am mainly focused on innovation for this contest and one of the best ways to get new ideas into a community is to bring new people into that community. So the more people, the better for the contest. And if you have any ideas on ways to in improve the contest for any of these reasons or anything else you would like to know, you can reach out to me on Twitter at the BG Workshop, or you can email Chris at theboardgameworkshop.com. And yeah, I think that does it for this episode. Not really sure how long I talked or how long this will cut down to, but um, I really enjoy running this contest. It's pretty much the best part of my year is when we're getting the game submissions in, we're getting the feedback, and the community really comes together. Um, so this couple of months while I'm setting up for it is much less exciting, but an important break that I need to get everything ready. But I'm really looking forward to june when we start getting all the submissions in and get to see all the exciting new games but until then i've got a lot of work of getting the word out to people which is something i'm hoping to do a lot better this year and maybe we can pass that 200 submission mark so again if you have any questions you can reach out and that'll do it for this episode thanks for listening that's all for this episode. The Board Game Workshop is a member of the Indie Game Report. You can check out their reviews and interviews at theindiegamereport.com. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, especially our inventor-level supporters. Chris Turner, Vegan Al, Brad Bachelor, Roscoe Schock, Vas Cottis, and Corey Muddeman. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash theboardgameworkshop. You can follow the show on Twitter at the BG Workshop and on Facebook at The Board Game Workshop. Join the show's Discord channel to discuss episodes. You can call the show's Google Voice number at 725-222-8249 and leave a question or a contributor segment for a future episode. You can get the links for these and all show notes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening.